Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. Welcome to Episode 10, our last episode in Reaching the Unchurched, 12 Dynamics for Impact. Now, at this point, you might be a little overwhelmed. At least you are recognizing that many churches have drifted from effectiveness. But at least you know some of the areas now where that effectiveness has waned. And so with that, don't be overwhelmed, but begin to pray for, work for, and just get involved in your church in ways that uh, focuses on these 12 dynamics for impact. They are literally the sum total of decades of research and work with churches that we've developed. And if you can't really get it done on your own, which is understandable, get help from the outside, whether it be Church Doctor Ministries or someone else. If nothing else, read the book and have others read the book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival. And help them with the discussion guide. Get the discussion guide on on Amazon. Again, I'm not a, a guy that's a salesman for selling books. I want churches to be helped. That's why I write books. That's why I wrote that book. And that's why that book is so helpful to so many. And after that, you may need outside direction and intervention, someone to do an assessment in your church and help you move forward with recommendations. But by all means, don't just be overwhelmed and say, well, it's inevitable our church is just going to not be a great impact for God's kingdom in my lifetime. That is not acceptable. Just do not accept that as a possibility. Swallow your pride, humbly pray about it, and do something to help the church. Because there are lost people out there that are dying every day without Jesus Christ. This issue has eternal consequences. This is a big deal. And I just, I'm just pained by, and you should too, you should be really upset by the fact that churches are not growing at exponential rates because that's the normal. It's not normal to hold your own. It's not normal to be aging. It's not normal to miss whole generations of people. It's just not normal for our country to be continually secularized. It's going to kill us in so many ways. And eternally for those people that don't know Jesus. I don't know. What is more important than this? Come on. What is more important than this? You might just be one person. And you may not be the pastor of your church. And you may not be on the board. Well, any one person can start a movement. Jesus selected disciples that didn't have a clue where they were going or what they were going to be doing. And look at the way they turned out. You know why? Because God blessed them. You know why God blessed them? Because God wants lost people found and brought into the church. You know why? Because Jesus died for those people. He paid the ultimate price not as a human being alone, but as the Son of God. That's what kind of a big deal this is for your Creator and your Redeemer. That's what the Holy Spirit 
wants to infuse for your church. It's pathetic the way churches flounder along and are involved in so many things that tap energy but don't reach people for Jesus. It's what God wants us to do. And I've shared these for only one reason, not because I get paid for it, because I don't, but because my heart just aches for people who are lost and churches that don't have a clue on how to reach them. I don't mean to be unkind. I don't in any way feel nasty about churches. I love churches. Jesus loves the church. Jesus wants the church to be effective. And you should too. So I want to begin in this final episode by saying encourage yourself and other Christians to pray for a second conversion. Now, that almost sounds like heresy, like who dreamed up that deal? Well, actually, I learned this from a book I read by a missiologist, a guy that has been a missionary and wrote a book on missionary uh, history of the Christian church. Uh, a wonderful, wonderful book. And uh, uh, it, it was this issue of praying for a second conversion. Let me, let me explain what he meant by that. And I thought it was a great concept and something that will be with me forever. Your first conversion is when you're baptized and, or you become knowledgeable you know Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Uh, that's your first conversion, when you become a Christian. Your second conversion is this. When you have become a person who lives with the reality that God cares as much about those outside the church as those inside the church. And when a church catches that second conversion, it is no longer a spiritual country club. It is a mission machine. Ask God to give you a whatever-it-takes attitude. And ask God to use that attitude not to make an impression on other people that you're some sort of a super Christian with superiority, but that your attitude will be a loving, infectious movement of one that will touch others in your church. Recognize that this is not about what you do. It is about who you are and who you become. And it's not about some program in your church or something you're going to start doing, not first and foremost. All these dynamics don't work as a program. They work among people who have become someone different by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have to subordinate yourself first and foremost, or you're not going to get any help from any of these dynamics. You have got to empty yourself in the same way that Jesus emptied himself and came to save the world. And those disciples had to throw down their nets, leave their tax collecting, leave their jobs, 
and follow Jesus 24-7. You can follow Jesus 24-7 and have a job. You can keep your job. The original disciples couldn't. And people who are called to ministry can't. I mean in full-time ministry, if it's a full-time call. But the great and wonderful thing is, whoever you are and whatever you do, you can be a minister also in the priesthood of all believers. But it's not about what you do. Not first and foremost. You first have to experience that second conversion that God cares as much about those outside the church as those inside the church. That God cares as much about those non-Christians in your social network as he cares about your friends at church. It's not about what you do. It starts with who you are and who you become. This is an internal change. It's a second conversion. You will never see revival, the revival God wants to bring through you through your church, unless you practice biblical kingdom culture, the values, the beliefs, the attitudes, the priorities, and the worldviews that make up what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, which are very different than the world and very different than many churches in which the world has infected the church. Much of the ways we do church, sadly, actually hinder revival rather than allow it. Only God can bring revival, but we have to be willing vessels, empty vessels for that revival. And what we need to empty out is a lot of the secular drift that has come into our churches. That's what these 12 dynamics for impact are all about. They're just Jesus' genius teaching about the movement of the church. Because Jesus is the genius of movements. Everything God does is done by multiplication. You can count the number of seeds in an apple but you cannot count the number of apples in a seed. You can't even count the number of apple trees that might come from a seed. But that's God's creation. It's all about multiplication. And a movement is not a bureaucracy, not an institution of the local church, it is a movement that multiplies where the leaders disciple and multiply others in the church to do ministry, release the priesthood of all believers to do their work, and equip people to reach people in their social networks, removing those roadblocks, implementing these 12 dynamics for impact, and God does the rest. It's all about multiplication. And when you get there, you see revival. You know, at the beginning of creation, God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. 
That's what having kids is all about. Multiply and fill the earth. That was God's command. Worked really well. Continues to work really well. When Jesus talked about filling heaven, it was the same idea. He said, go make disciples. That's a translation of be fruitful and multiply spiritually. Spiritually, about the faith. That's what it's all about. It's not about a staff doing all the ministry and people volunteering to do whatever and a country club that runs itself and gets involved in all these things that don't make disciples. Nice thing to do, but not godly thing to do. A lot of the stuff we do in churches, any secular people could do. There are very benevolent secular people that do a lot of things that churches do. But they're the only things a lot of churches do. A lot of churches are just stuck on those things. And people say, so why should I be a part of the church? doesn't do anything different than the world does. Nice people in the world, they do the same things. But the only unique thing we do is multiply our faith. That we disciple other people, that we reach other people. And we're not going to do that until we remove these roadblocks and start doing church the way God intended. Discipling is not the primary work of pastors and staff. Their primary work is to equip God's people to do that work. We've got to re-engineer the way we do church and make it more like the Bible. According to Ephesians 4, as I said before, the primary work of apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers is to equip, to equip God's people for the work of ministry. That's the beginning. And that's multiplication. But that's not the end. God's people are called to multiply. One church member multiplying another, then another church member, then another, then another, then beyond the church in a movement that changes your community, your world, changes people in your social network. Once church members are discipled, they become disciplers. They multiply. And discipling is not simply an academic exercise. It is a relational, on-the-job process. It's more like raising a kid than sharing content. One of the greatest errors is that Christians have the idea that if you just teach people the right biblical teaching, they are disciples. If you just force-feed people in preaching, you can call them disciples. No way. It includes them discovering their spiritual gifts and someone mentoring them side by side, discipling them to use those gifts in ministry in the priesthood of all believers. You can't disciple a crowd. The best preacher in the world cannot disciple a crowd. They can preach the teachings of the New Testament, but they better include what it means to be a disciple that disciples others. A constant multiplier your entire life, a witness wherever you work, whatever you do. And so one of the greatest errors is that Christians think, well, you know, if we just have good sermons and Bible studies, 
What we do, we gorge ourselves with biblical content, and we never get beyond that and end up constipated Christians. You're not a disciple just because you know the Bible or if you can recite a Bible passage or if you just know the right doctrine. That will not grow your church because the mission is not completed. Bible teaching is essential for sure. Getting Scripture correct is absolutely essential. It's an absolute. But too many Christians get good teaching and no equipping. It's a travesty. Discipling, to be a disciple, is not only to be a good learner, it's to be a student. But it's not just to be a student, it's to be, what, an apprentice. On the job, equipping for the work of ministry. That is discipling. Every disciple should be a discipler. Or you're not really a disciple. If you're not multiplying yourself, you're not a disciple. Just like if you don't multiply yourself by giving birth to children, then you're not a multiplier. You don't have a future heirs. It's just a truth of life. You can adopt someone as a parent and raise that person, and that is being a parent and multiplying. That's like discipling. These people that you reach and disciple are not your children. They're God's children. But you're the conduit. It's true. Some Christians have drifted from Bible truth. Other Christians have drifted from the primary passion of Jesus to make disciples of Jesus among every person. Either way, either way, it's a disaster if you don't do that. If you drift, on the one hand, from Bible truth, you're not going to grow the kingdom. If you have the truth but don't exercise discipleship, you're not going to multiply the kingdom either. So many Christians believe the Bible and accept the Great Commission, but they're overdosed on truth, constipated with fellowship, and impotent in multiplication. And so kingdom culture has fallen short. And this is what happens when churches decline. If you want to know why, it has something to do with that, if you're in a declining church. It occurs in churches in every age, in every century this has happened, all around the world. We just lose touch with our dynamic, fail to reach the next generation. It happens when Christians collectively lose God's grip on a nation. And that's got to make God sad. Don't blame God. It's never his fault. Never. And don't blame your pastor. It's likely your pastor has never been trained to be a missionary, so how can your pastor train people to be missionaries? But your pastor was trained on the myth that this is a Christian nation. So most pastors, and this is the truth, because I've talked to pastors from every branch of Christianity, most of them, for decades, have been trained to be managers of Christians, not multipliers of disciples, not missionaries to reach the lost. I feel bad for pastors. They're locked into something that they've been trained to be incompetent. Their training didn't reach the competency level of the Great Commission. However, 
here's the deal. When things get bad, really bad, God gets our attention. So does God have your attention? Has this podcast gotten your attention? I honestly hope so. Not because I'm a mean guy. Not because I want to make you frustrated. Not because I want to, you know, make you feel like you throw up your hands and give up. None of that is in my heart. But are you humbled? Because if you are, you're going to get hungry. You're going to get hungry enough to get help. You're going to get hungry to find a way. And you can be the beginning of a movement in your church. And I'll tell you this. It's a movement that I don't care what your church does or what your church is or how big it is or anything. You're going to begin a movement that every church desperately, desperately needs. If you're that humble and that hungry, then your most exciting days as a Christian are closer than you might ever imagine. Don't feel discouraged. You have a God that has the power of the universe at his fingertips. I'll tell you what. Christianity is supposed to grow. That's the normal thing. Not just grow little by little, piddle by piddle. It's supposed to explode with growth by geometric progression. That's like if you fold a piece of paper as thin as it is. Fold that piece of paper 50 times. It would take a pretty big piece of paper, but if you could fold it 50 times, that little thin piece of paper, how high would the stack be? Refrigerator size? Actually, it would reach from here to the sun. And if you folded it one more time, it would reach from here to the sun and back. It seems impossible to comprehend, but that's exactly what God has done in the way he's organized the Christian movement by geometric progression. One person reaches another person, they reach another person, while the first person reaches another person, and then it just multiplies and multiplies and multiplies and multiplies. Now, maybe you've never seen a revival. If you haven't been outside of the United States, you haven't, not in your lifetime or mine. But I've had the opportunity to be in revivals in South America, in Asia, in Africa. Even a revival that took place in Russia. Even little revivals that have taken place in India. And if you have ever had that experience, you will never forget it. And you will never be satisfied until your church is part of revival. I'm not kidding you. If you sometimes feel your faith is weak, (laughs) you get involved in a revival. You go visit a revival. You become a revival. You'll never have that issue again because there's no explanation for the number of people coming to Christ and how fast it's happening. And you will never settle for less. You will never settle for less. Never, ever will you be want that mediocrity that we call church today. Even so-called growing megachurches, a lot of those are people that are coming in as Christians leaving other churches. And that may be good for them. There may be real reasons, real good reasons for them to do that. But that's not what Jesus is concerned about. He's concerned about the lost people. I mean, he wants people to find a church where they're settled and they're growing. But it's not just a consumer deal that finds satisfaction. It's about reaching the masses of people, the majority of people who are lost in this country, in many other countries. And once you experience revival, everything else is just mediocrity. And you won't live without revival because you can't. Because you've been there. You've been to the mountaintop. 
I'm telling you, I can't even convey what it's like. You have to trust me on this. If you've never been to a place like that where God has got a revival going on, you just have to believe me. You can't even explain why your church is growing so fast and other churches around you because it's contagious. Bottom line is this. Can you believe Jesus' method to the level of changing yourself and changing your church to kingdom culture? Are you man, are you woman enough to do that? Do you care enough? Are you just absolutely fed up enough, frustrated enough, excited enough, whatever it takes to say, I'm not giving up on this no matter what. Nobody can stop me. I'm committed to this. Do you have the faith to spend maybe three years cultivating kingdom culture in yourself and maybe a few others and maybe some more and then some more and then some more? as the contagion grows and spreads and God grows your church and beyond your church and to others. Think about it. Who can do more? Staff working 60 hours a week or most everyone in the church living kingdom culture 24-7? Every working hour, every waking hour, everywhere they go, everything they do, everyone they meet. I'm telling you this. This is not a church program. This is a way of life. This is a movement. Think about this. What if 40 to 50% of your church are people who have holy discontent and are willing to commit serious time, not all their time, not their living time, not their working time, but serious time learning and growing. What could that do for your church? 40 to 50%? I'm telling you what, it'd be a revolution. It'd be the most wonderful revolution you have ever experienced. And it will grow. And it will multiply. And it will expand to your social networks. And you'll reach more people. And before you know it, you'll be wondering what you do with all these people. That's what exponential growth is all about. That's what a movement is all about. And Jesus put us here for nothing less. And I want to tell you, someday Jesus is going to say to you, And it's going to mean everything to you because you're going to be in front of him in eternity. And he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Do you remember the parable of the managers? One guy got a little bit. One guy got more. They both multiplied. The third guy said, oh, man, I'm just going to bury it in the ground. He said, here, here's exactly what you gave me. I gave it back. And he called him a wicked and lazy servant. But the ones who multiplied, those are the people that heard good and faithful servant. I know you can be one of them. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for uh, this listener who has spent a lot of time chugging through 12 dynamics for impact. I thank you for whatever you've placed in their heart to give them the motivation to do that. And I pray it'll spread, Lord. I pray for them that uh, whoever you are, I pray for you that you will continue to move on this journey. You've put a toe in the water. That you'll take a step and then another one and then another one and another one. That you'll be patient, but you'll be confident and that you'll continue and you'll be persistent. Lord, give this person that power and then another and then make it catch And then make it contagious 
and then move it on and then change the church and then change our world. What better thing, Lord, could we pray? And we know it's what you want. Lord, we pray your will be done. And we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Let that be us. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Check out Kent Hunter's new book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival, available now wherever books are sold.